eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Our reading today is from Acts chapter 2. And I will apologize uh, at the beginning for it being kind of a long reading. And I will also apologize slightly for my pronunciation and part of it, which you will see as we go. Caecium venis la Pentecosta tago, ilicui estis un anime in uno loco, caesobite venis ella cielo suno quasal blovedo de forta vento, caegi plenigis la tutan domon que ilicidis, cae al ilia peris desirantailando e quasa al fairo, cae serigis sur cion el ili. Caecii plenigis de la Sancta Spirito, cae comensis paroli alian lingvoin, quil la Spirito donis al ilia poropovon. Cae in Jerusalem tiam logis piae iudoi, el ciu nazio subra cielo. Cae ciam audigis tiu sono, la homazo convenis cae miregis, charciu al parto audis ilian paroli perliae, propra dialecto. Cae ciui confusigis cae miris dirante unu al ilia. Regardo, cene estis Galileenoi, ciui tiui parolantoi, ciel do ni audas ciui in sia dialecto in ciui ni nascigis. Partoi cae medoi cae elemanoi, Cae logiantoi in Mesopotamia, Judio, Cappadocio, Ponto cae Asio, Frigio cae Pamphilio, Egyptuio cae la parto de Libio, Apud Cileno, cae pas logiantoi Romanoi, Judeo cae Prozelitoi, Cretantoi cae Araboi, Ni audis, ni audas ilin paroli in niae lingvoi la mirandae join de Dio. Cae ciui confusigis, cae imbarasigis, delante unu al alia. Cion citio signifas? Sed aliae moque diris. Ili estas plenae de mosto. Sed Petro, stare cun la dec unu, Levis sian vocion, cae parolas al ili delante. Ho, judoi, cae ciui lodantoi in Jerusalem. Citio estu al vi scianta, cae aus cultu miain vortoin. Char citiui ne estas ebliae, cae levis opposas. Char estas la tria horo deletago. Citio in Jesuon, Relevis Dio, plicio ni ciui estas attestantoi. Levite dogis dextre de Dio, caeret siviente de la patro la promenzon de la Sancta Spirito, li erversis tion, cion divilas cae audas. Char David ne suprenirilis in la cieloin, sed li mem diris, la eternulo diris al mia signoro, 
silu dextrem de mi. Gis mi faros viain malamicoin benketo por viain piedo. Cun certezzo do siu la tuta domo de Israel. Que tiun yasuon, kiun vi crutsumis, dio fari senioro kai Cristo. Kai audent de tion, iliestis picitae in la coro. Kai diris la Petro kai la alia apostoloi, kion ni faru fratoi. Kai Petro diris al ili, ec pentu kai baptiju, ciu el vi in la nomo de Jesuo Cristo por forigo de pecoe, kai vi recivos la donatson de la Santa Spirito, char la promesso estas por vi, kai por viai infanoi, kai por ciui gis malproxime, kiuin alvocos la etonulo nia dio. Kai per motoi alia paroloi, li attestis, kai alvocis ilin dirante, Salvovin el ciu tiu perversa generatio, tiu ido ciui acceptis lian paroloin, baptigis, kai in tiu tago aldonigis circa tril mil animoi, kai ili persistis in la instruo de la apostoloi, kai in la cunulezzo, in la despezigo de pano, kai in pregioi. Kai ciui animo havis timon, kai multain miracoi, kai signoi farigis per la apostoloi, kai ciui credantoi estis cune, kai havis cion comuna, kai ili vendis sian havoin kai postagioin, kai dividis ilien al ciui laucias aparta bezono. Kai ciutage, visitadante unuame anime la templon, cae dispeziante panondome, ili prenes sian nutrajon, cae joio, cae unetso, cae unutse, un nuetso decoro, ladante dion cae havante favoron, ce la tuta paporo, cae la senioro aldonis ciutage alla ecclesio la sabatoin. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya bordering the Cyrene, 
and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own language. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, What does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, They're full of new wine. Peter stood with the other eleven apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. This Jesus God raised up. We are all witnesses to that fact. He was exalted to God's right side and received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He poured out this Spirit, and you are seeing and hearing the results of his having done so. David didn't descend into heaven, yet he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right side until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. They said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. With many other words he testified to them and encouraged them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community of those who were being saved. Here ends the reading. I hope you enjoyed my reading of the uh, the Acts in Esperanto. Esperanto has been a uh, a hobby and um, passion of mine for many years now, more than ten years, I guess. And uh, when I first came to to Japan, actually, when I didn't know anybody here, the Esperanto community in Tokyo reached out to me and invited me to an event, and I spent three hours speaking nothing but Esperanto with people who. Uh, many of whom didn't speak English, <laughs> uh, and my Japanese wasn't very good, uh, and so all we had was Esperanto to speak, and uh, I had never spoken it that long uh, at once, and it was quite an experience. And later, when I attended a Pentecost worship service at a church here, uh, one of the things they did is they had everyone, because because it's such an international group, they had everyone read the reading in whatever language they spoke besides English. And so 
we heard all at the same time all of these languages being spoken in the room and it was quite an amazing experience and i of course read the reading in esperanto Hopefully it gives some idea of what it must have been like to hear the preaching from the streets, to hear them talking, spreading the gospel in all the languages of the then-known world. So the reading today is from Acts. It's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about talking about what some call the birth of the church, the, the reception of of the uh, of the Holy Spirit by the church when the Holy Spirit was given to the to the members of the church after the ascension of Jesus I think for me understanding the Holy Spirit was a difficult thing as part of my development uh, as a Christian and I think I didn't really understand it well especially in the way that the book of Acts talks about it until I began my ministerial internship at uh, Trinity Church of Austin and began studying uh, and, and being mentored by the, the minister there, uh, the Reverend Sid Hall, uh, who is actually retiring this year after being the minister at Trinity for, I think, more than 30 years. One of the neat things about Trinity is that it is uh, the sanctuary in the round. So there's no dais there there's a table in the middle of the room and then the chairs go around the table in a circle uh, kind of similar i've seen um quaker meeting houses and they have a very similar layout with the, the chairs all in a circle excuse me and so uh there is a, a place where the dais used to be because this this church building was built for another church and then um, Trinity to kind of took it over and redid the sanctuary. And so there's, there's an obvious place with the big stained glass window that's kind of the front of the sanctuary in a very traditional way. And uh, that's where the musicians uh, stand or where the, where the choir stands. And so the first time I preached, I did what I had been doing for, at this point, several years. I wrote up a manuscript of my sermon. And uh, I stood at a, at a podium that was brought up into that space and read my manuscript effectively. And this is very common. Many, many preachers preach like this. It, uh, we have, you know, when you go to seminary, you take classes on how to do preaching and things. But after that first one, uh, Sid came to me in, in, my, in our weekly debrief and he, he said, you know, I think you should try preaching without a manuscript. Now, as some background, Sid preached without a manuscript every week. And he would walk around the space uh, in kind of a circle with a microphone, just giving his sermon that, that way. Uh, and of course, he'd been doing it for many, many years and had lots of practice, and it was, seemed very uh, overwhelming. But I decided I would give it a try. So the first, the first thing I did was I made, uh, the first time I did it, I made uh, note cards with the outline of my sermon and the main points I wanted to make. And I took those up with me and I read from those, but I walked around the space with the microphone and it was, I was very nervous. It was very nerve wracking. And we discussed it in our, in our weekly debrief and everything. And he encouraged me to keep, to keep trying. And so the next time I preached, 
which is about a month later, I think. I um, I just did it without the notes. I, I just got up there and spoke from from the heart. And this was the point, I think, when I really came to understand the Holy Spirit and the way that the book of Acts talks about the Holy Spirit in this in this story that we just heard, in the narrative we just heard. The Spirit spoke through me when I gave the sermon. Now, that's not to say that I didn't prepare. It's not like I just got up and started talking. You know, I spent time reading the scriptures. I spent time reading commentaries about the scriptures. I spent time preparing what I wanted to say. I still, I came up with an outline of, of points and tried my best to memorize those before I got up. But the reality is that in that moment, it really is extemporaneous preaching, as they say. It really is just kind of preaching from the heart. And in that moment, you really feel the Spirit come through you. You feel the Spirit telling you what to say, I guess, in a way. And of course, the Spirit also makes you forget things. <laughs> you know, I've, I've given sermons and then afterwards, oh man, I had that one point I really wanted to make and I just completely forgot it. But nobody cares. And likewise, I think the Spirit helps in the hearing. I think for many people, you know, uh, one of the things I noticed when I started preaching was that often I would be approached after the, the service by people who wanted to um, thank me or, or about the, for the sermon or talk to me about it or tell me how, you know, how it moved them. And oftentimes, the things that they got out of the, the sermon, the things that, they, that, that were most important to them, were not the points that I was trying to make. They were not the things that I thought was important. And in my, in my sermons, I always tried, uh, kind of in a, in, a, in a very core way, to talk to myself. I mean, you know, the sermon is, is kind of from my own experience. Um, and so I was always surprised when people found something different than what I was trying to express. And I think that's also the spirit. I think that's the spirit working in the listener. And so this really, these, this idea of the spirit, of the spirit working through the speaker and the spirit working through the listener is so core to this narrative that we have in our reading today. And by the way, the, uh, you know, today is Pentecost, and I've, I've read from Acts 2 that the, the official lectionary reading this week was something different, and I felt like we really needed to talk about Pentecost, and so I've pushed that one to next week. But that'll be the third, the third uh, sermon on Galatians. But anyway, in this story, this narrative of, of Pentecost and Acts, what we hear is we hear about the spirit coming upon the the apostles and it comes upon them that it's, it's described in the, in the narrative as tongues of fire on the heads of the apostles and this spirit brings to them the gift of proclamation they go out into the streets and they begin to proclaim the gospel to the people. And they begin to speak in all of the languages of the world so that everyone who hears, everyone who hears them, hears the gospel in their own language in a way that they can understand themselves. And so we have the, the Spirit working through 
the apostles to bring proclamation and the spirit working through the listeners to bring understanding. There's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of, of discussion over the last 2000 years since this, <laughs> since this story was, was written down about what exactly this means, especially this thing about, um, speaking in different tongues. And often we get this idea of speaking in tongues, which is, um, very important to, uh, to especially the Pentecostal and, and other charismatic uh, Christian traditions, this idea of uh, glossolalia, I think is what they, what they call it, where where they just people just speak incomprehensible things that have to be interpreted by somebody. But that's not what this is. Uh, the text is very clear that what's happening here is that the people are speaking in the languages of the people who are around them so that everyone can understand what is being said. And in fact, the crowd is surprised. They're like, are, aren't these all Galileans? I mean, you remember Galilee was, was a bywater. It was a, it was a, it was the sticks. It was in the, it was in the, the countryside. It was, you know, it was, it was rural. It was not. You know, a major a major urban center. So, so here are these, these you know what what <laughs> people today might say these slack jawed yokels, you know uh, here, and and yet they're speaking in Latin and Greek and and uh, the the uh, Arabic and and you know all of the all of the languages of all of the the peoples around them. How can this be? The people say, how can this be? And someone says, you know, they're just drunk. That's what it is. They're just drunk. And Peter comes out and says, no, they're not drunk. It's only like 9 a.m. in the morning. They're not drunk. Here's the real story. And Peter goes into a very long sermon that I skipped because it's very long. And um, it, you, sh you can go back and read it. It's a great summation of the gospel, summarizes the gospel. And he ends it by pointing out, by saying that, you know, I, we're here to tell you that that Jesus was was the Christ was the anointed of God, um, and that that He has given us the Spirit, and you know that's what we're telling you. That's why we're we're proclaiming this. So what I think is interesting about this this uh, narrative again, this narrative was written many years later, um, many years after uh, after the fact. And I think the author, who, who again is, is Luke, uh, who is one of Paul's companions, and he was a, a physician himself. I think the author is is trying. Luke is, is trying to to express the reality of what occurred in the early church. Here were these people, these apostles, and they had been so devastated by the death of Jesus, by Jesus's crucifixion, and that was the goal. That was the goal of the people, uh, the Roman authorities and, and the religious authorities who had Jesus crucified. They, they wanted to break the movement. And Peter, on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Peter goes so far as to deny even knowing him. And yet here, a few months later, Peter is standing on the street defending Jesus and, and sharing the gospel message with the crowds. 
a group that was that was dispersed after the crucifixion that that was unsure of what to do that, did, that didn't believe some of them that didn't, didn't believe the resurrection that didn't understand the reality of Jesus until he appeared to them on the on the way on the road to Emmaus that didn't understand what the church was supposed to be what what Jesus looked like that thought that the messiah was going to bring was going to conquer the Roman Empire and kicked them out of Judea and was were left devastated when he was crucified because they didn't understand how God was working through him to overcome the 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 evils of the world through a servant leadership. This these disciples, these people who just didn't understand, didn't under didn't get the true meaning of the teachings that Jesus had given them. Now now, a few months later, are moved by the Spirit to go into the streets and to preach and to, and to tell people that they need to repent and they need to come to know God and to, to begin to build the church and to begin to build community. This change that occurred, this, this amazing transformation, was so unbelievable so so unexpected that the early church could only explain it as the coming of the spirit on on the apostles like fire right their hearts were set on fire their minds were set on fire they were their tongues were set on fire to proclaim the gospel there was this transformation in the community now maybe the transformation was exactly what they say it was Maybe it was literally the Spirit of God being given to the, the apostles by Jesus after he ascended to heaven. Maybe this explains, or this is trying to explain, uh, in just metaphorical language, a, a change in the community that happened. Whatever the, the truth of that, it doesn't change the spiritual truth of the message, that through the Holy Spirit they were able to proclaim the gospel to the people in all of the languages of the world. They told the people that everyone was welcome, that all were welcome to come and join and be part of their community. And after he, he explains all this, they ask Peter, what do we do? How, how, how should we be saved? And he says, you must repent and, and be baptized for forgiveness of sins, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important to remember that this is a response of Peter in a particular situation and not just a, not a global response. We tend in the church, we, we tend to disconnect the narrative from its context. And we can come to think that this is an order of, of salvation. You hear the gospel preached, you're moved to seek baptism. After you're baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you are saved. This is a really common idea in the church. But even in Acts, the Spirit moves in ways that cannot be bound by our own understanding. They cannot be, uh, they refuse to be bound by ecclesiastical definitions and by conventions of the church. In the conversion of Cornelius in Acts 10, 
Cornelius and his family receive the Spirit first before they're baptized. And in the uh, baptism of John the Baptist's disciples in Acts 19, Paul lays his hands on the on John's disciples, and they receive the, the Spirit then, which is after their baptism. So I don't think I, I think thinking about receiving the Spirit as you know, being together with baptism, being separate from baptism, being before or after, is is to lose sight of the of of the actual reality that is trying to be expressed. That the Spirit of God comes on you, comes to you, inhabits you, takes up residence, changes you. It's the comforter you turn to. It's the small, still voice in your head trying to lead you in the right direction. And I think the Spirit comes on people who have never heard of Jesus. I think the Spirit comes on people of all walks of life, of all places in the, in the world, all nations, all beliefs, all times. I think the Spirit comes to them and helps them, helps them to move towards reconciliation with God, helps them to move towards goodness, helps them to be a light in the world in their own way, helps to comfort them in their times of need. And they may not know what it is. We call it the Spirit, and they may call it something else. They may call it their conscience. They may call it their guardian angel. They may call it, who knows? But I think it's the same thing. I think it's the same force in both cases. Often Pentecost is called the birth of the church. And we kind of celebrate it as the birth of the church. And yet, really, it's just the last part of a, of a three-part movement that is all one event and then again in the in the gospel of john in fact they, they just they show it as all one event uh, luke spreads it out uh, and john puts it all together in, in time much closer but it's the same it's jesus's resurrection his time spent with the with the apostles right that's thing and then his ascension into heaven and then the 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 um the gift of the Holy Spirit on the apostles. These three things, Pentecost, uh, I mean, uh, uh, sorry, Easter, uh, Ascension, Pentecost. These three things are really one event taking place over several weeks. And this is kind of the end of it. And and so in that way, it's kind of the birth of the church. And that's, you know, we see that now, now the, the disciples were moved to really build the community and to become the church. But I mean, really the birth of the church, you could also say is in the coming of Jesus in the, in the beginning, or you could say the birth of the church is in Easter and, and the resurrection. Um, but we celebrate it in Pente on Pentecost uh, for tradition, I suppose. But we see in this story in, in Acts 2, we see the discussion of the birth of the church, of the early community and what it was like. And we see that, that they really, they embodied this idea uh, in Greek that's called koinonia. And koinonia is this community, this, this communal living. A diverse group of people from every nation under heaven came together 
to live as one community. They had all of their belongings in common. They shared daily prayers and food. They helped to take care of the poor and the needy and the sick and, and the widowed and the orphaned. They were this kind of true community of the body of Christ. And we see this embodied throughout history, of course, but my favorite example is in Quinonia Farms, which was the, the organization started um, in the 50s or maybe the 40s, mid 40s or, or early 50s in Georgia uh, by uh, Clarence Jordan, who, who wanted, uh, you know, he, he, it was kind of funny, he had been in ROTC and then he uh, he joined joined the military, and he had a he had a conversion experience that that convinced him uh, that uh, to to become a pacifist, and he uh, he started this intentionally integrated community in Georgia in the in the early fifties. But one of the things he did when the people came is he he you know people came and they had money, he said you know go sell your your stuff, and get rid of that money, give it to the poor, we don't want it. You know, give it to the poor. We, and they lived in community, and they worked in community, and they, they shared meals together no matter who they were, where they were from. They really lived this idea of Quinonia, hence the name of the Quinonia Farms. But here we see in their early community the same kind of life. So, what's the point of this? <laughs> The point of this is, is really to think about the Holy Spirit and what it means. I think, you know, we hear a lot about the Trinity um, and, you know, the uh, the nature of God and the nature of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gets often gets kind of swept under the rug. And I think the Trinity is a, is a great, um, a great way to think about the nature of God. But I don't think it's worth getting caught up on. I don't think it's worth causing... Um, arguments over but we can see in these in this scripture how people came to think about god as a trinity because we can see that we have in jesus we have god um, between people we have we have god that the mediator god the friend god the uh, uh the companion i guess in god God the parent, God the father, we have God the creator, the, the God that out there that's kind of beyond our touch, beyond our understanding. And then in the Holy Spirit, we have the God, we have God kind of within ourselves. We have the small voice that moves us, the strong wind, because spirit, again, the word for spirit is breath, the, the breath of God, the strong wind that, that pushes us beyond our comfort zone, pushes us out into the world to become um, a servant of God in the world, to, do, to create a better world, to, to do good things, to serve those who need it, to preach the gospel, uh, and when necessary, use words. <laughs> so... What I want you to do this week is to think about this and think about what the Holy Spirit means to you. Have you felt this in your own lives? Have you felt 
that small voice? Have you felt like God is pushing you to grow, to, to change, to be in the world and yet not of the world, to, to be the change that you want to see in the world? Do you find in your dark times when everything is falling apart and you feel like life is just darkness, do you find inside sometimes that small light, that small hope, that comforter reminding you that things will get better? I think this is the Holy Spirit moving in us. And I invite you to think about and to pray on the nature of that spirit in your own lives.